With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. All right. Good morning, Y Whales. Uh, afternoon or wherever you are, we've, we've got a really special guest with uh, Jason Eisen from Utu today. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and kick it off with uh, Mr. Stefan and, and who's going to kind of lead us into this conversation right now. Hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah, I'm super excited to see this. Um, it's kind of a super cool, like one of those, like not just a blockchain, like it's really a cool use case. So I'm super excited to see what all the and it's it's like a very broad one as well. So super excited to learn more today. Yeah, absolutely. So so Jason, you know, let's let's go ahead and, and you know kind of start back with like where did you get into you know what was your first exposure into blockchain cryptocurrencies and and what you got to do into the space? Yeah, actually, I'm one of the uh, I'm one of the weird folks that got into crypto just as an enabling technology to basically fulfill our vision. Uh, so for us, the vision came first, uh, the vision of Utu, uh, the company I founded and I'm running. Uh, and really, it was around a question of how we were actually going to solve the problem that Utu has set out to solve, like how we fulfill our mission in a way that is actually reflective and um, respectful of our mission. So uh, we're building trust infrastructure for the Internet. This is something that's super sensitive. It can't be centralized. It can't be uh, controlled by a private entity, even with the best of intentions, because we all know how that goes. Google's first slogan was, don't be evil, right? Uh, and so we looked at how do we actually build this vision of a perpetually benevolent trust infrastructure for the internet in such a way that it will be sustainable and incorruptible. And blockchain emerged as the answer some years ago. So what was the, you know, what was that first kind of thing that hit you that goes, we have a problem that has to be solved? What, you know, there's usually that catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my story is kind of interesting in that sense. I, uh, I came into this uh, kind of pursuit of or obsession with digital trust quite accidentally. Uh, I had in 2010... Uh, started traveling to East Africa, uh, to Kenya, Uganda, and South Sudan. I was working as a consultant for a DC-based consulting firm, and I was doing a lot of projects in the region for them, for USAID, for World Bank, for UN, things like this, and started spending a lot of time in this region and started to fall in love with Nairobi and saw a lot of opportunity. It was sort of the early days of the tech scene here. And I basically, every time I was here, had these crazy problems with taxis. I had every problem you can imagine and like three <laughs> that you can't imagine. Uh, All right, like with you, two, two stories. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, definitely, I'll, I'll give you one. It will be enough. You'll get the idea. Okay. Was, uh, we, were on a, <laughs> we were here on a USAID consulting mission and a, a taxi driver 
approached us with an investment opportunity. He said, you know, uh, you give us 1000 give me $1,000 today, next week, bam, I give you $10,000. We were thinking, wow, a 10, 10x return on investment in a week. Uh, so we started That's asking more questions, more questions. Finally came out that this was like an arms deal. Uh, he wanted to bring weapons into Somalia. And we're thinking, uh, okay, this is not exactly what we bargained for. I think we're going to have to pass on this uh, investment opportunity, Matt. Um, but yeah, so Wait, were you going to have to ride like, with him when he delivered the weapons, or you were just going to fund well, it? Uh, like you didn't ride yeah, shotgun on we anything? Were off by then, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I don't think we were buying into an operational. <laughs> this was role, not the uh, ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, silent. I, I feel like I saw that movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. So, 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 weapons dealing taxi cab drivers is a thing in Nairobi. Now we, now uh, well, no, I don't the, the stage has been set. I think this guy was unique, but uh, <laughs> lots of other, uh, there were lots of interesting problems that I could say I interacted with in the space of some years taking a lot of taxis around, uh, around the city. And a lot of people that I knew, Kenyans and other expats, uh, as it turned out, had similar problems with taxis here. And we got into one evening, this like story swapping about all of the horror stories that everybody had experienced with taxis. And then I flew home to Washington, DC. And the day I landed, I took like seven different types of tech powered transport. I took uh, an Uber, I took a car to go, I took a bike share, I took a Metro that was powered by an app and then switched to the bus app and then reported something on Waze. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, this was late 2012. And I'm thinking, wow, two years ago, none of these things existed. And here I am, I've used seven of them in one day. Uh, and then I thought back to Nairobi, where 24 hours earlier, we had all been lamenting the lack of any tech for transport uh, in, or just the bad transport situation in Kenya. And meanwhile, there was this unbelievably cool, early, energetic uh, Kenyan startup scene that was starting to emerge. And people here were building companies and still are building companies that solve massive problems, not like, how do I get a pizza faster or whatever they're building in California these days? I'm not sure. Uh, but like solving for a billion people's problems, like how do I get basic healthcare or information about my crops or about uh, education when I live in a very rural, disconnected place? Like uh, solving big problems for uh, at a meaningful scale for a lot of people, and I found that really inspiring. And kind of all these things sort of uh, brewed together in my head, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I was sort of ready for a change in my life. And two months later, I quit my job and moved to Kenya to start basically at the time, the first taxi app on the continent, the first like Uber type app in Africa. And pretty early into that process, essentially, I realized that we were building totally the wrong thing. Uh, we were basically building, uh, let's say Uber for Africa, solving the same problem that Uber solved. Uh, how do I get a taxi? Uh, but it turned out nobody in Nairobi, as we kind of coming full circle to the earlier bit, like uh, nobody in Nairobi had the problem. How do I get a taxi? Everybody had the problem. How do I get a taxi that I trust? And that I trust was the key phrase, right? And, 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 and so trust in, in the, in, and I'm, I'm assuming as someone who's never been to Nairobi, but 
Um, I've been messaged by a lot of, you know, uh, Somali princes uh, with, with investment deals similar to yours. Uh, oh, nice. that, that trust, you know, especially for foreigners, is a, is a problem. Uh, trust for everybody, I think, is a problem. Uh, there was and still is mistrust between uh, passengers and drivers, and it's, it goes both ways. Like, um, so every person has had the experience of a taxi driver that was not ideal, and almost every taxi driver has had the experience of a passenger that was maybe posing as a passenger to try to commit some violent act or a carjacking or a robbery or things like this. Uh, it's a pretty common story. And because of this, uh, when we first started this uh, taxi app, we would go around showing people our prototypes and everybody would say the same thing. Well, why would I use your app? I have my guy. I have a guy near the house and I have a guy near my office and I have a guy near the gym and I got a guy near my bar. And if my guy's not around, okay. he sends me his guy. And if I can't get my guy on the phone, I call my sister and she sends me her guy. He's called David. And we started to realize that in Kenya, a taxi was not a commodity uh, the way it is in California and New York and London, where all the taxi apps were being built. In Kenya, a taxi was a person and still is. It's a person that you have a relationship with, that you prefer him or her to anybody else. You'll wait longer for that person. You'll pay more for that person. Uh, there's a lot of benefits that you get that accrue when there's a long-term relationship between you and a driver. Uh, he knows your place. He knows the things, uh, the places you like to go. You can leave your things in his vehicle. He can maybe carry your kids. He can drop something off for you after you drops you. And so there's all this sort of trust-based benefits that we saw accruing around this idea of a, a driver as a relationship and not a commodity. And we started to get obsessed with trust, trying to understand mm. how do we optimize for trust in this environment of a passenger that needs to feel safe to get into a taxi with a driver and a driver that needs to feel safe to accept that passenger. And that was sort of the kind of the genesis of the whole thing. Uh, we stumbled upon this roadblock in the growth of the taxi business and essentially got obsessed with solving for trust. And we started to replicate this uh, organic system that we observed of, I have a guy and my guy has a guy and my friend has a guy, this idea of social trust or relational trust over institutional trust. Uh, and this was a radical departure from like the, I don't know, last couple thousand years, march of professionalization and standardization. Uh, there's a credential for everything, a license for everything. But in the era of decentralization and sharing economies and things like this, every person with a wrench in their hand is a plumber. Everyone with an empty bedroom is a hotel. And anyone with a seat in, a spare seat in their car is a Maramoja, not an Uber, a Maramoja. Uh, but uh, uh, so what are these credentials anymore? Uh, it's much more about social trust at this point. Even the field of people that have bachelor's degrees is so massive that used to differentiate. Now there needs to be another differentiator, right? And so we're coming back, I think, full circle to this idea of social trust as being the underlying foundation of trust. Uh, and I can prove it quite easily. Like, So who do you trust? Yes. Uh, it's a really easy question. I probably can predict your answer, though. 
Okay, so so trust would is is a tough thing to come by in my world. Uh, I, I I trust uh, my my wife. I trust um, trust some days family. my kids. Yeah. Your family, um, yeah. I, I trust the Maybe dog. Maybe yourself. I think anything else. Uh, that's a tough one. But some days, yes, <laughs> depends. So you trust yourself, your family, maybe some of your friends. Close circles. Yeah, close circle people you know. Essentially, right? That's the defining characteristic. Yep. People you know, right? Yeah, pe- people I can reach out and grab. I feel that I feel more comfortable along those <laughs> yeah. lines. Sure, and then you'd probably filter that by saying like sometimes some of them for some things, right? Uh, so there's of some course. context that matters. Uh, all right. Well, why is it that trust on the internet? If this is how you trust, and turns out everybody in the world pretty much answers this question about who they trust, just like you've answered. Uh, but yep. yet, if you look at how you're asked to trust online. There is absolutely no similarity. So online, you trust based on aggregated, anonymous, random data points from across the entire universe of the internet, like 50 random people that you've never met, that you have nothing in common with, that probably don't share your biases, your beliefs, your preferences. Maybe they're not even real people. Maybe they're bots or paid reviews. But according to those people, this babysitter has five stars on the babysitter app. You should just go ahead and leave your five-year-old with uh, him or her. Uh, And we don't stop and think that this is kind of crazy. We sort of just accept it because, well, we don't have anything better. Um, And so Utu basically was founded with this mission to bridge the gap between how people trust in real life and how they are asked to trust on the internet. Uh, So this is sort of our founding mantra. Okay, so so that was that was one of the best intros uh, we've seen. So now let now let's go ahead and and just dive right into to Utu and how in the world are you you solving this problem in in any capacity? Because it, it's a universal thing. I mean, there's Yelp, there's a whole bunch of services, and you know, Amazon reviews, as you know, have been botted and everything else. So yeah, I, I, I'm dying. I'm dying to hear this one because it's a problem we face every single day. Yeah. Uh, so. If you ask me, trust really has, or trust online has three core problems. Uh, and I can, I'll talk about each of the three. So one uh, is the wrong theory of trust. Uh, two, the wrong delivery mechanism. And three, the wrong incentives. Uh, so let's unpack this a bit. Uh, what's the theory of trust that we're talking about? It's exactly what we just went through, right? In real life, we trust based on relationships plus context. Online, we're asked to trust based on aggregated anonymous data points. So there's this aggregation versus curation nexus. Uh, And essentially, you could say that this is a legacy. A lot of this stuff is a legacy of what eBay gave us in the 90s, right? When we were buying some Beanie Babies or whatever on eBay, and all you needed was a pseudonymous five-star rating and some open text review and you were accessing from your laptop. So that was convenient, whatever, or your desktop. Uh, And fast forward 30 years, like the trust mechanisms of the internet really haven't evolved from what eBay gave us. Meanwhile, the entire internet has evolved. Uh, And so we have the ability now to curate rather than aggregate. It's only that we haven't made that switch. We're stuck on this legacy system because it was sort of meh, good enough. And solving it is a massive challenge. 
And a lot of the players really don't want it solved because it's the foundation of all of the manipulation and fraud and abuse that happens online to manipulate your trust, to manipulate reputation and things like this. So there's a lot of vested interests in keeping that system sort of the way it is. But when you move to curated signals versus aggregated signals, think about how much more powerful that is. Uh, let's take the babysitter example from earlier. Um, 50 random people give this babysitter a five-star rating, and your sister says they have a one-star rating, worst babysitter ever. What do you do? You hire the babysitter you, you don't? Know. You go with your sister, right? What if it's 500 yep. people that say they're great and your sister says they're terrible? It, it's the same thing. And, and, still- and uh, case in point, I've learned with Amazon reviews, you know, I, I you know, listen, everybody sorts. You want to look at the, the four or five star ones. And I, but I've learned you start scrolling down um, and you, the, the people with the pictures and the, the one or two star reviews of like this product is this. I, yep. Nope. Going on to the next one. If there's two or three of those, so it, they can have 500 good ones. If there's two or three people that actually took the time to say this product is this because of this. Um, but if you're in a hurry and you're going through, you're right. You don't, you don't have the time to do the due diligence in there. Sure. And by the way, the black market for fake reviews is incredibly sophisticated. They know all of these things. They know all the things that you look for in a review to try to mark truthfulness. They know all the things uh, all the red herrings to throw in your way, uh, ratings, you know, a review that has one star, and then the content of the review is, oh, the product is great, but it was delivered late. Oh, yeah. even the bad reviews are not actually bad. It's just about the delivery. Let's go ahead and buy it, right? No, like these yep. guys are very sophisticated. Uh, and this comes back to the third problem around incentives. I'll come, I'll get on to this. Um, but so anyway, this idea of aggregation versus curation, I think you guys uh, are kind of with me at this point that curated signal can be way more powerful, uh, than aggregated signal, uh, no matter how many points you have the right data point from the right person about the right thing is going to be way more helpful to me in conveying trust than a bunch of random data points. And uh, so this is the first change that we made and we're building, some pretty powerful and novel AI techniques and systems to deliver that sort of personalization at the individual level uh, through networks and context aware. Um, so, so before we we jump into yeah. uh, and we want to talk about a little bit more how it works, and I know you're not you're not the the tech tech guy nuts and bolts, but but run us through kind of what uh, what what chain is this on, you know, kind of who you're partner partnering with to do something, you know, some of these technologies, uh, just so we can kind of get an understanding of, of what we're looking at here. We're building sort of a mix right now of centralized and decentralized components. Uh, we're building, uh, you know, the future is multi-chain where we're building across chains. So uh, we're already partnered with uh uh, Polygon, with Ocean, with Oasis, with Cardia Chain, with Elrond, and there's some other with uh, interesting uh, partnerships that we'll announce soon. Let me not get my foot in my mouth, though, and get myself in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, who knows? Maybe they'll be out by the time this actually comes out. Uh, but yeah, we're, you know, uh, we're also building with the recognition that most of the market is still in Web2. And part of the role of an infrastructure provider like us 
is to be backwards compatible into Web2, even if we're Web3 native, and to build, let's say, let's call it like the hooks, ramps, and bridges from that pull people from Web2 into Web3. And if you look kind of up and down the user journey uh, of the typical user on a Web2 platform, you can think that sort of the trust mechanism is exactly the place where Web3 has the most value to bring. It's the place where you want transparency, where uh, right now, uh, all of the dis- all of the providers of these systems of trust systems essentially are the platforms that are trying to sell us things anyway. It's like they're being their own referee, and we're just totally okay with this. And they're centralized; they could be manipulating everything. Many of them probably do, and we really have no insight into this. And there's no reason uh, that they should be providing the mechanisms that govern users trust on their own platforms that really should be provided by a honest broker. And this is what I meant, uh, point two about the delivery mechanism, right? It shouldn't be part of the platforms. It should be infrastructure that is separate, that is independent and that is transparent and decentralized. Uh, and this is the market position that we've taken. So you're, you're essentially web 2.5. So you're, you're bridging the gap between Web 2, Web 3, um, which is, which is very, becoming yeah. very common uh, as, yeah. as we interview. And it's, it's the reality. There's some people that dive straight into Web 3, and you know, we've got the Aves and everyone else that, that we go through. And like, look, you, they have to live there. Um, but this yeah. is very interesting. And, and, and clearly, there's some centralized um, uh, Web 2 companies that have, have tried to push this out with you know, yeah. Facebook wants to be your, your login. Facebook wants to you know, you know, use your, your Facebook ID to to do some reviews here and there. So, so talk to us about, you know, what a, what the user experience on, on Utu would be, and as well as the, uh, what, what the platform, you know, if we, if we wanted to use Utu on, on one of our sites, uh, you know, what's that integration look like? Sure. So Utu is mainly an infrastructure service. Uh, so trust really, uh, again, it's, uh, it's not a product, uh, and it's not a platform. And this is, I think, the thing that a lot of the current generation of Web2 winners in trust uh, are really missing. So they have built platforms, consumer-facing communities, like you say, Yelp, Google Reviews, uh, Trustpilot, all of these things. But this really misunderstands the role of trust in a transaction. And so... Uh, trust is not a place you go. You've never thought, let me go to the store and buy trust. Uh, you think, let me go to the store and buy what I need, and I hope I can trust the store and the manufacturer or the platform where I'm hiring this service. And so we mainly provide B2B infrastructure services, uh, APIs and SDKs and oracles that help platforms deliver better trust to their end users. Uh, So we didn't want to build the platform or marketplace to sell every single service, be the Amazon of everything or the whatever. We wanted to really focus on this key piece of infrastructure that basically requires uh, a outcome agnosticism. Uh, you have to be agnostic to the outcome of a transaction, lest you end up falling victim to the same traps as all these other guys, where your product value proposition is, hey, consumer, come and uh, consume trust on my platform. 
And then your val- your revenue value proposition to businesses is, hey, come and pay to manipulate trust on my platform. Come and pay to move <laughs> your good stuff up and to hide your bad stuff. Like this is totally uh, absurd. And this is actually the third point that I had mentioned earlier about the economics of trust. And this is why our token mo- where our token model comes in, right? Around how do we actually realign the economic incentives of trust to have the individual economic incentive aligned to the large scale public good of better trust online? I was going to ask about something like Amazon. Like, what is their incentive to adopt? Because realistically, they like manipulating trust because it makes them more money, right? Like, do you think you'll be able to pitch B2B on saying, hey, you should lose a whole bunch of control? on the potential upside that your users will trust you more? Is that, does that effectively end up being the sales pitch? You know, this is, this is a, one of the, one of the challenges. And I think one of the perceived challenges is that you have a lot of brands that, like you say, have some vested interests. Uh, and I think there's a couple forces at play here that work in Utu's favor. One is that you have mounting global awareness of how much of an issue this uh, topic is uh, and how manipulated every review uh, platform is and how much of the content we see is paid or fake or solicited or farmed from uh, a review farm somewhere. Uh, The market for this is massive and people are becoming aware of it more and more. I think there's mounting consumer pressure uh, I think there's also some significant number of brands and platforms who have uh, gone past that tipping point and started to recognize that manipulating and defrauding and abusing their their customers uh, can only benefit them for so long. And that in the long term, the platforms that are able to be transparent and show users the good, the bad, and the ugly and help them avoid a bad transaction as much as steer them towards a good one and recognize that steering you away from a bad transaction today may cost me a small amount of money in the commission on that one product, and it may win me a loyal customer for life uh, because I know that this brand or this platform is going to show me the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think the Utu, powered by Utu mark, is going to become the preeminent trust mark of the internet over the next five to 10 years. Um, And brands that don't have that mark are going to suffer and everybody's going to ask, well, why not? Uh, Why are you still controlling your own reviews when that's a thing of the nineties and two thousands? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's basically just a massive educational challenge then, right? So you have to build the brand of like, no, no, no. This is a trust a brand because of these reasons, but then consumer have to actually understand that, which obviously sure. is going to be at least in the short run the challenge. But I love, I mean, I love what you're doing. I'm just curious, like that's going to be a hard also- sell in the beginning, but once you get traction, hopefully it'll kind of snowball into into just well, a much it's actually, larger thing. Uh, it's actually not as hard as it may seem from, uh, or it's not all doom and gloom, let me say, from that perspective, because <laughs> on the flip side, uh, it turns out trust actually really moves the needle on all of the metrics that platforms care about. Uh, so generally, if you're running a platform, you care about things like customer acquisition costs and conversion rates and retention rates and churn rates and customer lifetime value and viral acquisition. 
and better trust actually drives all of those metrics in the right directions. Uh, and so uh, there is that perception of loss of control, uh, but I think it's really a perceived loss. And I think the companies that embrace this are already starting to see uh, their metrics improve. It, can consumers are, uh, seek out platforms that utilize uh, your services? Because, um, you know, if they're, if they're in your ecosystem, they trust, you know, what you're doing. Um, how would I even go about finding any companies uh, that, that use YouTube? Yeah, sure. Uh, our ecosystem uh, is posted on our social media. Uh, Utu Trust is our handle uh, on Telegram and on Twitter. Uh, we often update our Utu ecosystem graphic. I think there's about uh, 50 companies now or 50 projects, initiatives across uh, different areas, uh, clients, technology partners, R&D partners, uh, things like that. So our goal has always been to be geographically and sector agnostic. And so our early road has really been about establishing relationships across all of the core use cases and sectors that we think uh, uh, Utu and Better Trust can have a huge role in driving those sectors uh, and in different countries, essentially, to turn them into case studies. So, for instance, in Kenya... Uh, we emerged out of Maramoja, the taxi app that's been working there for years. So when you guys come to Kenya, you can definitely uh, download the Maramoja app and get a trusted taxi ride here. Uh, there are plenty of other ones, though, like uh, we have a DeFi portal uh, that we built as a little mock-up of what the Utu concept could look like in decentralized finance where you'd be able to get personalized signals directly in DEXs about which assets people in your network uh, support or don't support. So imagine mm -hmm. if uh, all of my opinions and feedback about certain tokens and assets could be viewed by my network directly on Uniswap when I'm going there to try to trade, right? And so these are the type of embedded infrastructure plays that Utu is all about. But we have some Pretty cool clients like uh, Jamboro, which is a peer-to-peer -peer lending network in, uh, in Nigeria, and Shuttle One, which is a DeFi or a lending protocol in uh, Southeast Asia, and then a uh, crowdfunding platform in Europe called AmpNet, as well as a uh, like a gig work platform from Europe called CryptoTask, um, as well as a wellness services platform here in Kenya called Conscious Kenya. Uh, corporate smart bonds, uh, a company called Maple. So you're, you're, yeah, you're all, you're all over the place. All so you're over you're the definitely, place. and you're, yeah. and you're, and you're bridging different industries. So are the, are the users, the, the people that you're, um, using the reviews for, are they KYC'd or can they, can they be anons, but just verified through the fact that they've been around a while? Yeah. So, uh, you know, People should, at the end of the day, be up to, it's up to them how transparently or opaquely they want to participate in the system. At the end of the day, it affects the content, like how believable their content is going to be to others and uh, how much customized content there or personalized content they're going to be able to see, right? So if I don't connect uh, any of my social relationships into the protocol, Definitely, Utu is not going to be able to make great recommendations for me. Uh, it doesn't know anything about my network. Uh, on the other hand, all of that information uh, that should be under your control, right? 
So our job is to tokenize the data and keep it under your control and then let you basically put it in service of your own objectives. Uh, so you can choose to share as much or as little as you want. Uh, but you think about now what this means in terms of like the implications of fake reviews. All right. Well, uh, systematically, our system uh, basically eliminates fake reviews because it's infrastructure, not product. So it's behind the transaction wall. Uh, you need to have interacted with this service to be able to review it in some way, right? Uh, but now, so let's say somebody figures it out and they're able to somehow start leaving fake reviews. Uh, again, the fact that the system is curated, not aggregated, means you're not going to see that bot's reviews. Uh, you're not connected to them on Facebook or on Twitter or on Telegram. They're not saved in your phone book. You're not communicating with them. Uh, and so the people that see your content and the content who, that you see will mostly be from your extended network, essentially, right? And so uh, we try to we try to eliminate all of the manipulation, both at the systematic level and with the incentives, right? Uh, you should not be able to buy trust with money. Uh, this is what's wrong with the current system, but you should be able to earn money from building trust, right? If I leave an endorsement of a nanny and 10 people from my extended network hire that nanny and have great experiences because of my endorsement, uh, there's economic value that my endorsement actually created for both the nanny and for those uh, future customers, right? And so the way we've uh, designed our token economic model, the model or the system is able to recognize that economic value and pay it out in the form of a token reward to the person who staked their tokens on that nanny uh, pro rata, basically. Yeah, let, can we back up a little bit? I'd love to know more. Uh, can you give us the exact, like, how does it actually work? How do reviews work? How do you prioritize them? How do you figure out which, which ones I care about, which ones I don't? Maybe, maybe let's jump to that. I'm super curious. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's no universal recipe for trust, right? There's only how I trust and how you trust and for this situation and that situation. So we essentially uh, try to learn for each user uh, what is their trust model and which factors, which data streams matter uh, and for which contexts, right? Who trusts who for what and in which contexts. And so we'll pull together... Uh, we'll let you upload data and connect to your social media, uh, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Telegram. Uh, we'll pull in data streams from other sources, uh, from things that we're able to scrape off the web, also from uh, blockchain transactions, uh, from wallets that you control, uh, things like this. And we'll pull all this together essentially into a social graph uh, that is layered with all of these sort of contextual labels, right? Uh, so, uh, I like to give the example sometime of the taxi app, like on this day, you chose the driver that was closest to you. Normally you choose a driver that you have a very close relationship with, but this guy you chose today, he was quite close, but you don't know him at all. What happened? Did your model change completely, uh, in how you think about who you choose for the service or there were context factors that were overriding your normal decision-making, like normally it's during the day with good weather, you're in a safe place and you're waiting inside. And today it was late, you're outside, it was bad weather uh, and in a dangerous part of town, you just wanted to go as fast as you could. 
And so we pulled all types of data streams like that together and try to understand based on each decision that you make, uh, which of these things are important to you and serve them, you know, kind of feed that as inputs back into your algorithm. And again, this is all data that you're in control of. So we are just building that rails and the analysis to serve you. Just the AI part is the centralized part. Exactly. Um, and we're actually working on some ways to be able to decentralize even that part with, uh, if you're familiar, Raven protocol, which is essentially a decentralized AWS. What's the interface look like for people to, to utilize this? Because, you know, you're still working on like, how do people know who's using your services? Um, and you know, until it's uh, ambiguous, do you have to sign up a company to, to use your service before someone can leave a review or can they just leave, start leaving reviews and then the company, you know, claim them later on products? Yeah, at the moment, the company has to integrate it uh, for you to be able to start leaving feedback. Uh, we definitely want to find some workarounds for this in the future, uh, some direct-to-consumer channels that we can be able to offer that same value proposition without compromising on the sort of veracity uh, and authentication bits. And there's some mechanisms that we're working on here. Um, but I talked earlier about like, how the feedback mechanisms and trust mechanisms really haven't evolved since eBay times. And so we've evolved them quite a bit. Uh, so going from just like star ratings and text review to, okay, we're not on our camera or we're not on our uh, laptop or desktop as much anymore, much more on a phone. So why don't we update the way that we leave feedback? And instead of asking people to thumb out some long response, hold your camera up, leave a selfie video review, right? It's going to be way more valuable to the person that sees it, that it's actually you that's saying this and you actually feel this and they see the emotion and the re and the realness, or you maybe say it, but don't feel so convinced. Uh, and so the value of that content is just way more. So in our model, uh, basically uh, directly in the platform, we provide a tool that replaces the inbuilt feedback tool of the platform. And it has this sort of deluxe uh, feedback to system, right? So you can leave video selfie reviews, you can leave star ratings, you can leave badges, positive or negative badges. And then you can also provide a token endorsement. And you can think about those token endorsements as a measure of how strongly you believe in what you've just said about this person, right? You're basically uh, staking uh, some amount of your Utu Trust token. So we have two tokens in our system. We have the Utu Trust token and we have Utu Coin. Utu Trust token is a digital representation of trust. Uh, it can't be bought and it can't be transferred. Uh, this is the whole problem with trust right now is that it gets bought and sold and manipulated. So Utu Trust token, uh, the only way to earn it is by participating in the ecosystem, by sharing data into the protocol and by uh, then staking the tokens that you get from sharing data on service providers. So you could stake 50 tokens on your taxi and a thousand tokens on your doctor. And when those endorsements pay off for subsequent users, you earn a token reward. And if they don't say you endorse someone and uh, your friend hires them and has a terrible experience and they disapprove of the service, uh, you're penalized some of those trust tokens that you had staked on that person, right? Uh, and so now, while you weren't able to buy into the system, right? You couldn't buy these Utu Trust tokens, you can earn out. So Utu Trust tokens mm -hmm. can convert into Utu Coin. 
and UtuCoin is freely tradable. So you can actually earn money from building trust, facilitating good outcomes online. And so how does this work on the blockchain? Like which part of this is on chain? Because I, I totally see where you're going with the AI side. Like it's obviously signal processing and all that stuff. All the endorsements okay. are on chain uh, because we need to be able to show that we didn't make this up, right? That these endorsements are in fact endorsements mm -hmm. from the people that they purport to be from and that you can go and look it up and find that uh, content in chain, on chain, right? And so this is the key piece for us is making sure we don't expect that many people will probably go and do that work, but some people will. And the people that will need to be able to be able to sure, be sure and pass that confidence on to the people that will rely on them. Right. So uh, there's no shortcuts on this uh, to being an honest broker. Well, while we're talking about these coins and now you've got, there's two of them. I really want to kind of understand the tokenomics of it um, before Stefan gets into a little more details of how they're used. Um, so you've got the, Utu protocol coin, is that correct? The Utu trust token and then Utu coin. Okay. Okay. And what's the tokenomics of each of those? How do they yeah. how do they differ and So Utu coin again that's the uh, that's the tradable token. We did a token sale uh, in 2020 and we listed our coin Utu coin the ticker symbol is UTU uh, trades on uh, Uniswap, PancakeSwap, some centralized exchanges. Um it has a billion tokens, uh, and essentially that's broken out into three pools. Uh, there's the uh, ecosystem pool, the team and advisor pool, and the uh, kind of growth pool. So we sold a bit of tokens from the growth pool. We still remain with some. Uh, and then the ecosystem pool is basically the coins that will be minted uh, in the process of the functioning of the protocol, so the conversion of Utu Trust tokens into Utu coins. Uh, the Utu Trust token supply is infinite, uh, again, because people will be able to earn trust tokens by sharing data into the protocol and then by um, using those tokens to help others get good outcomes, right? And so the exchange rate between uh, trust tokens and coins essentially is a market function, uh, but UtuCoin is deflationary long-term. Uh, we require okay, payment for uh, services, for Utu's trust services on chain in UtuCoin. So the more demand that you expect there will be for access to our services, to access to our trust signals, uh, the more companies will need to acquire UtuCoin to pay for those services. So there's this constant buy pressure on UtuCoin. I, I just, so I just wanted to see how, if I'm a user, how do I see the score effectively? Like, is it more of like a whatever I look at, whatever. You've used a dirty word, UtuCoin by the way, uni. score. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh, score is a dirty word? We don't yeah. like score? We don't like scores. Never mind. Uh, who, wa who wants to be <laughs> so turned you into do, a number? Do. Who wants to be turned into a number? <laughs> Have you ever thought about trust in terms of a score? Like, have you ever thought, hey, you should trust this mechanic. He's a 7.6 trustable person with a confidence interval of 80%. Or you think, hey, you should trust this mechanic. He repaired my buddy's car that's the same make as yours and did a great job and this and that, right? So trust is not prescriptive or numerical it's really descriptive uh, and contextual and so turning someone into a number is sort of the last thing we want to do 
even our name, uh, Utu. Uh, Utu is the Swahili word for humanity, uh, uh, loosely translated, more like I am because you are. Uh, if you're familiar with like Ubuntu, uh, uh, same sort of meaning, right? Um, but yeah, this, uh, this score, uh, we try to stay away from this and instead provide like narrative pieces of information, narrative signal that you would already understand, right? You might trust this babysitter because five of your friends, including Susan, Sarah, Mary, Bill, and Steve, have used him uh, 22 times in the last three months, leaving these 10 video reviews, badges for this, this, and this, and blah, 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 right? It's exactly that. We don't, because again, our goal is never for you to trust us. It's only for us to provide you the right information at the right place at the right time. And so we can't mm -hmm. tell you things like, hey, you should hire this babysitter. We, they're going to be perfect for you without giving you the transparency and explainability of why. And this is actually one of the hard technical sure. problems that we fight, right? Uh, explainable AI is really a complex problem. This is something that we're actively working on uh, with the Turing Institute, actually. So real quick, can you give us a couple examples of uh, early success on the platform? Um, you know, any reviews on some of your early um, uh, rollouts where, where you got the feedback and was like, oh, my God, you, you know, those types of stories. Sure. I mean, we're still early days, uh, so we're still integrating kind of our first cohort of clients. Uh, like I said, we've been serving the mobility app that was our legacy uh, for some years. And uh, looking across that, historically, we've seen uh, major improvements in conversion rates, in satisfaction rates and retention rates, like 20% uh, like 20 plus conversion, 20% plus satisfaction, um, uh, retention, lifetime value, uh, like greater than 30 viral invites per new user. Uh, all of these really uh, core platform metrics uh, in other areas, like uh, one of the really exciting integrations that we're working on for the last couple months is with Ocean Protocol, the Web3 data marketplace. Uh, and the stuff that we're building and releasing there is super cool for trusted signals on data sets, right? Uh, is this a data set that I should use to train my model or is it? Uh, kind of BS. Uh, how do I discern mm. between a good data set and a bad data set? You know, it's interesting, and I, I appreciate you mentioning Ocean Protocol because nobody ever, ever really talks about it. And um, it's one oh, of those so things cool. I bought. A, I, I bought them so long ago, and I, I just kind of quietly just go. At some point, I, I think that something will be there. Um, but but you're you guys are actively uh, utilizing that that and moving forward with it. So that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, you can actually see the first version of what we've built for Ocean Protocol on our on the DeFi portal. Actually, there's a tab there called Ocean Market Assets, and if you connect your wallet, uh, you can actually see uh, any Ocean data assets that anyone in your network has interacted with in any way, whether they have consumed the data set themselves or providing liquidity to the data set. Um, so it's pretty cool. And we're in the process awesome. of extending that whole, that definition of in your network, right? 
uh, right now in your network means uh, wallet addresses that your wallet has interacted with or that those wallets have interacted with. And we're integrating a lot of that with the work we do in Web2 to pull from social relationships, from social media, from uh, phone book, things like that. Yeah, I was going to ask that next. So this seems like a great use case. Obviously, I mean, it's a huge problem for crypto in general, right? Can I trust this address, right? This is some random address. But if you can say, yeah, but Jay owns a ton of that. And these other seven people that you all think are pretty smart own exactly. a ton of that. Like exactly. that, that's, and even just the address, the contract addresses themselves as well. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. And then you think about all the different places that integrates, right? That signal is valuable to you in so many places in your wallet when you're going to send to somebody wouldn't it be great to have the signal pop up that this is ex exactly who you think it is uh, and you should deal with them right where in an exchange yeah, this address has scammed a asset, bunch of people yeah. exactly right or imagine i don't know how if you guys get these but how often do you get these uh, messages on telegram like, hi, I am listing coordinator for so-and-so. We make glorious benefit to your token. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, you know, imagine being able to type slash Utu uh, as a Telegram bot and be able to understand, is this uh, Telegram handle who they say they are? And should I work with them, deal with them? Yes, I'm really curious. Why are you going after more of the trad space? It feels much harder to convince them to do this than just go i mean there's so many crypto related use case and maybe you are focused right but why go so broad i, I i'm personally a focus kind of guy but it seems very difficult yeah. to make amazon happy as well as telegram right it's gonna be just totally different how, how come you going so broad yeah uh again our our goal has always been to be nothing short of the trust infrastructure of the internet full stop and the internet is more than Web3. Uh, it will all become Web3. But again, it requires people going and pulling Web2 users into Web3. And we see that as a big part of our mandate. Uh, there, as you say, there's absolutely no shortage of Web3 opportunities. Uh, but the market in Web2 is also huge. And these are this is the yeah. places where your mom is transacting and your grandma is transacting and the people that are probably more susceptible to internet scams and things like this, uh, maybe less sophisticated users. Uh, and there shouldn't be like a trustworthy internet for those who know and a scammy internet for everybody else. Like uh, trust is too important oh, yeah. for us to take a narrow focus. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not disagreeing at all with the allowing everyone to do it. I'm just really surprised you're doing so many. Like, it's just hard to do that many things, right? So I'm just, I guess I'm surprised yeah. that you're going after both the new and the Web 2.0 use cases. Yeah, and it's certainly, uh, we're certainly not tackling all of them all at the same time. Uh, we have a first cohort of pilots that we think represents a pretty good uh, cross-section of use cases uh, and sort of each of them represents a additional piece of our technology that needs to get developed to serve the whole internet. Mm. So like we have a couple really interesting health sector clients that we're working with right now. And it's, I can't disclose who they are, but 
uh, it's really hard to hurt, serve a health sector client because of the privacy concerns. It's the sector where privacy is most critical. And we took this on to basically make sure that we don't lag behind on the privacy mechanisms and controls and that those are there from the beginning, right? And so we've sort of taken this approach of releasing, uh, of working with clients that help us develop key components of our system. Uh, yeah, we're definitely not releasing everything all at once, but I usually talk about our core sectors as being um, the corollaries of risk, right? Trust is the corollary of risk. The more trust, the more risk I feel, the more trust I want. And so the things I feel the most trust about my home, my health, my family, my business, and my assets. So if one of these things is exposed to some sort of risk in a digital transaction, there is an enormous benefit to better trust. So really the place we are is proving out the increase in metrics and that value prop in each of those five areas. Uh, so basically we demonstrate and validate uh, the model across kind of every key sector as we go to scale. All right, Jason. So, so first off, again, everything so far has been absolutely fantastic, and we love it. Let's let's take a, a step back and um, you know move outside of the Utu uh, sphere, and let's just talk blockchain. What what are you guys seeing? You're actively developing. You're talking to so many people in the industry, and the one thing I love about Web three is everyone is just so helpful. They want to talk about what they're doing. They want to share their ideas. Uh, the code is transparent. What, what are, what's kind of got you guys excited uh, over at Utu that you're just seeing around in your ecosystem? You know, uh, I'm I'm mostly excited by the technologies that embrace our humanity rather than replace it. Right, the things like Utu, things that make us more human. Uh, I think this is um, this is the point of technology, not to replace uh, the things that we as humans are all about, but to ease our path and solve real problems for us. I am okay. I like NFTs as much as the next guy. Uh, and I'm excited about the metaverse and the open metaverse future and things like this. Uh, but things like DeFi, I think, uh, you know, okay, I'm based in Nairobi. I care a lot about the African tech, uh, ecosystem, and how technology evolves to uh, shape this continent. And if you look around the continent, there's so much opportunity and real use case uh, for some of these technologies, uh, more so than there is anywhere else. And so these are the things that excite me. Like, okay, I, I don't know, there's, uh, there's this massive problem across the continent with working capital. And you look at how do we solve the entire African working capital problem for small, medium businesses by connecting them into DeFi liquidity pools in a totally seamless way. And you think about solving that and how much economic impact and human impact derives from that. Uh, you think about the trustless in intermediation in any of these financial services and the reclaiming of all of that economic value from banks and flowing it back to the people whose assets it actually they actually are. Uh, these are the things that I get excited about. You think about like decentralized identity and the idea that you're in control of your information and disclosing it only as you see fit and in the minimal invasive way possible. Um, 
I, yeah, these are the things that really excite me. Even we look across the continent, other things like supply chain provenance uh, and community inclusion currencies. Uh, there's a project I talk about a lot uh, here in Kenya, uh, the Grassroots Economic Foundation, uh, which had this fascinating thesis that uh, people in Kenya's slums are not poor, they just lack currency. And if you airdrop some currency into these communities, they'll start trading. And this is exactly what they've done. They airdropped all of this uh, paper voucher currency with serialized and secured on the blockchain into informal settlements. And now there's enormous volumes of economic activity that happens within those communities on these community inclusion currencies. And there's a natural exchange rate that develops back to the shilling and things like this. And there's so much that is just being, uh, that we've not even scratched the surface of the impact of these technologies on our economic systems. And then you look at even just how we organize ourselves as society working on uh, different initiatives. And I think fast forward a few years and if you want to solve a problem, it will be more likely that you start a DAO than you register an LLC. Um, and I think that's a really exciting future where people's contributions are able to flow seamlessly across different initiatives and efforts very fluidly and with democratic structures in place that everybody can participate um, and nobody's get kept out. Yeah, what project was that that did the airdrop? Uh, the grassroots, uh, you mean for the community inclusion currencies? Yeah, well, what was that? I'm just really curious. It's called Grassroots Economic Foundation, uh, Serafu okay. Blockchain, uh, group okay. based here in Kenya. They're running their own chain. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Is, is crypto a big thing? Like, is crypto large, the crypto ecosystem in Kenya? <laughs> like, is Absolutely. it you or is there, like, other people? <laughs> no, it's, come on, uh, it's uh, it's quite big, actually, yeah. Um, Kenya is quite a one, maybe number two or number three in peer-to-peer -peer, uh, Bitcoin trading volumes. Uh, I think Nigeria is number one. Uh, but the percentage in Nigeria, I was reading the other day, actually, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I remember reading the percentage of people in Nigeria with, with, uh, crypto wallets is, uh, insanely high. Um, and in Kenya, it's not maybe that high, but it's definitely coming. There's a, there's a pretty strong community here. Uh, we've actually recently started a couple initiatives to try to even, uh, pull the whole community together. Uh, there's a, a really brilliant entrepreneur called Marvin Colby that started something uh, called the African Digital Assets Framework to try to pull together uh, a grassroots set of Pan-African blockchain standards for the continent uh, to be able to have a legislative framework that instead of some piecemeal uh, adoption by every country, their own standards, <laughs> how can we do something large scale? Uh, that initiative has uh, been great. There's other things. Uh, there's actually a uh, African startup investment DAO that a group of us are working on starting right now. And super exciting. That's one of the things. Blockchain never sleeps. It's all, there's always an idea. And, and, and it, yeah. if you don't do it, no one And will. a lot of white space. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And most things haven't been done yet just because there's too many things to do and not enough people doing them. <laughs>
No, it's, it's, uh, I say it constantly. You can absolutely just build a better mousetrap and have a hundred million dollar company for, for just taking an idea and blockchainizing it. So, um, any, any, are you an NFT guy? Uh, you know, it's, it's the one thing that didn't get brought up the entire time. So Wait, he yeah, said he wasn't. Uh, I was super happy I'm, about I'm him. Not like no, I'm with I'm... you. I like real problems, not NFT problems. Well, okay. Oh, there's yeah. real Listen, problems we can all NFT solves, some, but not what it yeah, currently we can collect is. Apes yeah. and kitties and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, I do think it's cool from the standpoint that I'm a huge supporter of the arts and giving a prominent role and medium for artistic expression and, uh, within this world, I think is wonderful. And I really like, uh, also the, uh, like the solar punk, uh, trend. I think this is super cool. What are the solar punks? Yeah. It's like, uh, like cyberpunk, but, uh, uh, you know, solar punk is basically imagine a world, a future world where technology and nature in harmony, uh, we've sort of solved all our cl- climate issues and living in some utopic uh, post climate crisis, uh, harmony, people in nature. Uh, it's a fun trend in NFTs. Wait, it's like yeah, a crypto punk, but like optimistic instead of like. Exactly, like a very optimistic cyberpunk, yeah. We focused on nature. Well, while you don't have any, you know, true favorites of NFTs, we're gonna we're gonna give you one of ours. Uh, So we have our we have our whales, uh, and and for generally these are only given to uh, Y Wheels members, but because you've been on the show, we we're gonna let you kind of uh, choose and pick which one you want. So these are are they're three D. Um, fully, uh, you know, ready for the metaverse type things. We, we build these, um, and there's a whole menu of them, which you get to choose. Uh, so here's FOMO. Yep. So here's a, here's a nice gold one. And again, Uh uh, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. (laughs) Okay. We've got, uh, we, 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 listen, there's, there's a purple haze. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of names we've got. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, I, I, none of the names make sense. Uh, this is what happens when you have an international uh, <laughs> international crew uh, that going through them. But you can pick any one of these, or you can just pick a number between two and sixty four, and you'll be surprised. You know, I got. I'm not gonna lie. I have to go with the FOMO. Uh, that's FOMO. Uh, Fabulous. Uh, it's all well, about FOMO. FOMO is right? yours. He's he will be uh, in your wallet here shortly, and uh, you, you you've got a you'll have a beautiful gold whale. Uh, you can, secret, when someone says, what's your favorite cool. NFT? We, we hope uh, now I, it, so. I have a favorite NFT now. Yeah, no, they're, they're great. And they're fun to play with. Um, Jason, absolutely a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and your insights and your thoughts are, are truly needed, uh, not just in a web three space, but, but clearly in, in web two as well. I think any one of us, uh, has made a purchase or, or, or made a decision based on the theory of trust and the theory of these reviews. Uh, only to be disappointed. And, and so, you know, what I really got out of everything that, that you just spoke about is not only is there a better way, but there needs to be better incentives for people to take the time to review and, and to want to build trust, uh, to want their communities and to want um, the, the people that are around them that have done a good job uh, to be rewarded for that. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at society. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I really... Really appreciate you guys having me on. This is a lot of fun and great. How to do talk we to get you. our podcast on Utu so that people trust to, us? I was about is, to ask, yeah, because we, we should say, "Hey, you should give us a positive review." But no, you shouldn't. You should use Utu. 
you know, let's uh, we'll talk about that, and we'll announce uh, we'll announce more uh, before long. Again, we have to be sensitive. We can't give away any uh, any more alpha. Oh, oh, yes, no, no, no more alpha on the show. We appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, Y Whalers, thank you guys so much. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, Jason, thanks so much. Just hold on here for a second. We're good to go. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. Why Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.